Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome, everyone, to the flip side. I'm your host, Invita. Pronouns are she, her, hers. I go to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And as always, here on the flip side, we rotate our co-hosts on every episode. Today, uh, my co-host is going to be Cameron McDonald. Cameron, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Cameron McDonald, and I'm currently a junior at UNC Chapel Hill. I am the Senior Director of CR and Public Relations for the First Generation Student Association here on campus. And yeah, I'm excited to be a part of this conversation. I want to say first, happy spring, everyone. And speaking of, we are in a new season and a new semester, but FGLI students have the same issues that they are struggling with and the same demands of their institutions with respect to what kinds of support they actually need. So today we are going to talk about some of the lived experiences that FGLI students have, as well as the things that these students demand of their institutions despite a season of new beginnings and a new semester. As part of our discussion today, we are excited to spotlight one of the FLIP Nationals chapters, First Generation Students Association at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. So we as like first generation low income students often feel like we're constantly fighting the same battles with no solutions. We're constantly making the same demands and nothing ever actually gets done. And a lot of promises are made that are never fulfilled on. Um, we are often overlooked by our universities, our professors, our peers, and sometimes even our family. Um, every FLI student will have a different experience um, due to the different university that they're at, but there's a lot of unifying factors that all FGLI students will experience. And some of these experiences and some of these uniting factors are the the barriers that um, FGLI students unfortunately have to face from financial stressors to mental health challenges um, and many other struggles as well. Um, FGLI students just want our voices to be heard and we want to start seeing actual action taken from our universities um, and seeing results for our current and future students um, at the universities that we attend. We want to stop universities from being performative and stop using FL, FGLI students as marketing pawns. And um, we actually want the university to support us when they say that they support us, not just to claim it. So I'm so excited to have this conversation today. Uh, let's meet everyone who is gonna be part of this episode. Hi everyone, my name is Christiana. My pronouns are she, hers. I attend um, the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, and I am the Junior Director of Volunteering for FGSA. Hi, everyone. My name is Naomi. I use she, her pronouns. I go to the University of Pennsylvania, and I'm a junior. I'm also a Technology Fellow at Fleet National, and I'm really excited to have this conversation today. Hi everyone, my name is Jasmine. I use she, her pronouns. I'm a senior at Duke University and I'm a communications fellow at Flip National. And last but not least, my name is Chris Sinclair. 
uh, using him his pronouns. I'm the executive director of Flip National. I graduated from the School of General Studies at Columbia University in 2018. Great. So can anyone give us a context of how um, FGLI Live has looked at UNC recently? Yeah, so I think that um, something that's been kind of going on recently, it's very similar to past years, but I think that COVID has specifically highlighted some of the specific needs of like FGLI students specifically with like the like technology that's available, especially like stable internet connections. That's something that I've personally really noticed. Um, as things have gotten a little bit less different, like more like Zoom based with COVID, obviously that those kind of like challenges are kind of fading a little bit as we go back to normal, but definitely with online learning, um, the like access to technology and time and um, like just kind of more material, material resources um, really was kind of spotlighted. Um, I agree with that. Um, I think another thing that was definitely highlighted um, during um, COVID and being online learning is the need of like first um, of FGLI um, students and being at home with um, with family and being having to help with like their younger siblings and them having access to like being able to like get onto Zoom for classes and help with them with the homeworks and stuff. I think that was when it was very um, high, like that was very apparent during COVID and that I also experienced um, with my younger siblings while being while being around um, well last year during COVID. Yeah. I think to piggyback off of that, um, as like an older sibling, not only was I expected when I was home um, to kind of help out with my family since I wasn't on campus, that was an expectation my family had for me. And it was, there was a barrier of understanding of like, you're not on campus. So why do you still have all of this work? Um, there was kind of a disconnect of like, being in online school was still school and it was still kind of like your main priority. So I know for me personally, my family expected a lot more from me when I was home rather than when I was on campus and that presented its own challenges. And I know like um, for an internship that I have, um, kind of the introductory onboarding meeting was like, yes, we expect you to be in like a quiet place with a stable Zoom, with a stable internet connection. And um, for someone who lives kind of like in the mountains, you know, the stable internet connection is not always guaranteed. And definitely I don't have an extra room where I can just kind of, you know, keep everyone out. Um, and so seeing how some people had opportunity and their parents were kind of like supportive of, you know, making sure that their home was quiet and they had like a desktop computer available. Um, that was something that I really did see like a difference between me and some of my peers. Did you guys have like any mental health resources provided by your universities in those situations? I think that that was another thing that COVID really highlighted was just the honestly, like the absolute lack of anything available to students. Um, UNC has pretty much one on-campus mental health service, um, CAPS, and it's notoriously inaccessible and it's notoriously um, just awful. And I know for me, the resources provided by UNC were, were not adequate at all. Um, and recently there was um, pretty severe like mental health situation that happened last semester with multiple people attempting suicide on campus. So. 
I think that UNC has a lot of growing to do in that regard. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think it was just not the lack of like resources, but also like the lack of like, like I've mentioned this before, like knowledge about the resources that were available. Like I remember UNC always talking about how they have all these resources for students, but like most students didn't know how to access those resources. And even when they were able to access it, it wasn't like, um, the way that the resources were like structured, it wasn't um, accessible by those students. And it wasn't like, something that they could actually use and be able to take advantage of. So I just feel like a UNC, it's part of like the lack of listening to students and what they need. And, for, um, and they just kind of like do whatever they need to do just to keep the, I feel like the media off of their, um off of them. She's like, we're doing what, what we're doing enough to like get the heat off of us, but not enough for the students to actually feel like we are doing enough, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I feel like especially mental health is like a huge thing uh, like to like really analyze um, our actually our first episode um, and the flip side was about mental health and we talked about how important it was, you know, to reach out to, um, um, you know, even if it's our, our academic advisors or counselors or whatever, because sometimes like, like you guys were saying, like we have the resources there, but we don't even know that they're there. And that's kind of what happened with me with my first semester at UNC. It was like, I had to, you know, email, I think it was the academic counselor of transfer students or something like that. Um, and then he was the one who sent me like the link to, you know, like, um, the website where I can like reach out to camp, I mean, to therapists or yeah, well, basically counselors. And it was um, basically us trying to look for the resources. But I, I definitely think it would be a good idea if they can just make us more aware of like, you know, where can we access these tools? Where can we, you know, see a therapist? And it would be very, very helpful for everyone. Naomi, do you want to say something? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, I think this conversation on mental health and lack of accessibility of, of mental health resources from FGLI students is a common thread in most universities because I really resonated with what Cameron said about being unable to access uh, mental health resources, especially during COVID, because I remember, especially at Penn, it was really hard to get a slot to speak with a counselor since this is covered by the school insurance and lots of other students who could afford to seek therapy from outside resources were able to do that but lots of FGLI students just couldn't afford that and lots of mental health um, issues just fested and it's just interesting to note how wide widespread this um, problem is. Um, I definitely think that after last semester UNC really tried to put like a small focus on like mental health resources that were available but I think one of the key problems that the university has been facing is not only just a lack of resources um, and not just a lack of access to resources or an understanding of how to use them I think that the resources that are available sometimes just aren't geared towards what FGLI students actually need um, I think that one of the biggest concerns that I and um, some of my other friends who are FGLI students have faced recently is just summer funding for things. A lot of my friends who um, 
aren't necessarily from like a low income background have the ability to not work a summer job. They can take an internship, um, an unpaid internship somewhere in DC or California. Um, and they have the ability to do that because they just have more expendable income coming from their families or from anywhere else. And a lot of my friends and I just haven't been able to do that. Like we have to work. Um, and so I know that UNC just sent out an email kind of reiterating that there is not any official summer funding available for um, first generation students. Um, but that's just something that I've been hearing a lot recently as kind of COVID is dying down and people are doing internships in person again, um, like housing, food costs, like those are real barriers for people to be able to not only just expand their resume, but build important connections in like the field that they want to work in and gain like experience. And not being able to do that because of, of money or funds is something that's kind of integral to the first generation low income college experience. And I think the university has not only ignored that, but um, just shown kind of like disregard for the, the problems that that actually might be happening. I think it would be good if the university maybe, you know, used some of the money that they have to have a stipend or some kind of grant available for students. Um, they have provided resources that said that you can apply for federal grants, but there's nothing for, through the university, at least that I'm aware of, that they've published or publicized um, that you can apply for if there's a merit-based stipend or grant that was available through UNC, not just a federal um, funding, I think that would be one, a lot easier for students to apply to and a lot easier for students to get, um, and it would be really useful. I think what Cameron mentioned was really important is like internships that are geared towards FGLI, FGLI students. Um, I know that um, I did an internship last summer with um, Lookout Scholars that was geared specifically for just FGLI students. And although it didn't, it didn't have a stipend to it, it was like only like I think only FGLI students could apply to it and it allowed for them to gain experience and also be able to expand their resume. So I think at the university providing like just like maybe making partnerships with like different companies that and having internships that are specifically just just for FGLI students that, that they can ap apply for from like different majors and minors would be also be really helpful. And also like Cameron said, providing funding for it to be um, for a stipend. Cause I know that um, I am lucky enough not to have to work over the summer not to be to pay for school, but many students don't have that, um, don't have that opportunity and trying to work and also have an internship at the exact same time is probably one of the hardest things that anybody can do. So I think that have someone like having those resources would be very helpful for FGLI students. And not only having resources, um, but as you said, there are some university programs that try to help funnel resources to um, like FGLI students, like the internship through Lookout Scholars. Um, that program's great. It's not really advertised a lot and a lot of people don't really know um, those resources are available. And sometimes people don't even know that they are first generation low-income college students. Like they don't even know that about themselves until they read something online. And I think that just not only expanding the resources that are available, but also clearly communicating the requirements for the resources that are available, the opportunities that are available. Um, 
that's also really important. Um, if there's an internship that says just for Lookout Scholars or just for first-generation college students, I think it would be useful if the university ex expanded upon that. You know, saying if your family didn't go to college in the United States, because um, one of my friends was like, I'm not a first-generation college student because both my parents went to college um, abroad. And, but I was like, you know, a lot of places do consider that first generation. Um, so I think that kind of clearly communicating like definitions and really, really advertising, communicating with the student body, the resources and the programs that are available and are geared towards first generation low income students is also really important. Yeah. And this is something that um, is really not unique to UNC. Um, this is a, a phenomenon among institutions especially the ones that uh, shout the loudest about how they love their first-gen students and they celebrate their first-gen low-income students. Um, they're the same ones that are always saying things like, well, we have lots of resources, but the students don't use them or the students don't know about them. Well, gee, why is that? Institutions never bother to ask that question because they're afraid of the answer because the answer could be that they're not communicating in the same places that um, that students are receiving their information. They never bother to ask the question, where do students get their information? Um, because that opens them up to the possibility that, oh, well, we actually didn't do a good job of letting um, students know about this. I know specifically at UNC, you know, Cameron's mentioning about how she only knows about the Lookout Scholars Internship. I know, I'm, I'm my first time in college, I went to UNC Chapel Hill. And I haven't been there for over 15 years, and I still probably know more about first-gen low-income student resources than current UNC FGLI students. And that just speaks to the disparity between what the university says they have and what they say that they're doing versus what the students actually experience. Um, I didn't hear anyone mention the Apple's internship program, which is a thing. I didn't hear anyone mention the C-STEP program for for transfer students. Both of those programs have um, stipends for unpaid internships during, in the case of Apple's, it's during, actually also C-STEP, it's during the semester and during the summer. But why don't people know about that? Why isn't the institution doing more um, to answer those questions and to let people know about those resources? And the answer is that institutions love to be able to say that they have the resources. So if anyone critiques their support of first-gen low-income students, they can say, oh, well, we have the resources. Students just don't use it. That means that they have the resource for the sake of saying that they have the resource. They're not actually interested in whether or not the school or the students at the school use the resource. They just want to say they, be, they, they, they have it, and then they can blame the students for not knowing that the resource exists, even though even if that were true, and if you, there was fault associated with a student not knowing, that's partially on the institution because they're not doing a good job of advertising. Definitely. And I think too that something that personally as a student really irritates me and kind of makes me feel not only undervalued, but kind of exploited, maybe a, a too strong of a word, but there's tons of research surveys being sent out asking me, I'm on like a first generation college student listserv, um, and tons of surveys are sent out. How did COVID affect you? What's something that the university can do to help you feel more valued? Um, there's so many psychological research studies that are asking for participants always, but the same amount of like 
email spam, the same amount of communication is not put towards advertising the the um, resources that are available to us. And I think that that kind of, it's really irritating to me that it's like, we want you to participate in this. We want you to help advertise this. We want you to help represent the university as some form of, of diversity to show that we care about you, but the same amount of effort isn't put into actually sharing and, and having and developing these professional resources. I think this honestly all just leads back to money. The university doesn't want to have to spend the money that they definitely do have on first gens. It's easier to say that they have the resources and that people are not using it rather than say that we don't, we're just not pouring enough money into advertising it, into making it better, into asking students, what can we do to make it better? And I think it's also not supporting um, student-led organizations because a lot of the money that the university does pour into for um, FGLI students goes into like university-led organizations, which do not do a good job of representing student voices and student needs so if that money that they pour into university-led resource, um, like organizations were instead given to student-led organizations such, such as FGSA, FGSA, they would better rep, the money would be better be used for um, FGLI students because those, those student-led organizations know student needs, they hear student voices, they are led by students who are FGLI, FGLI and they know what they need and they know which where the money needs to be and how much you need in each sector of that. So I think it's, it all leads to like not wanting to spend the money that they have because it just means more work for them and they don't want to have to do that. I think too that what you touched on is also really important of having FDLI students in positions where they can help inform and guide the way that resources are publicized, the way that resources are being dispersed. Um, I think that it's really difficult for people who have not gone through the FDLI kind of lived experience to understand and relate and effectively communicate with people who are in these situations. And I think that putting FDLI students, not just like FDLI alum, but students who are currently in the university culture now, present day, um, is also really important. And I don't think that that is really ever kind of championed. I think that it would be good to have positions that are specifically advertised and only for first-generation students um, in the university to help deal with first generations, uh, low income students needs. Um, I think another thing is having um, first, um, like first gen um, organization leaders. Um, so I think that while the university seems like they don't wanna have to put that funding into student led organizations, um, I think another thing is that they should put that, if they don't wanna put the money to student led organizations to put that money into hiring first gen organization leaders for their university like organizations. Cause I know for Lookout Scholars, our um, organization leader was a first gen and it was so nice to be able to talk to her and she understood exactly what I was going going through and was able to give me advice about which resources to look for and how to find them, which scholarships to look for and how to find them and talk to me about what she did while she was in college and how that um, having this and this and this helped her get to the, get get to here. So I think it's just like if 
it's one thing to, like if you don't want to like pour the money into student-led organizations but if you are going to have that money and you're going you are going to advertise you're doing so much for first gens at least put that money towards hiring first like for FGLI like instructors and organization leaders and advisors, people who will understand the FGLI experience and are able to more relate to the students and the students can also relate back to them. Yeah, and I think that too, something that I, I also was in Lookout Scholars and our first generation, um, our kind of mentor was also first generation, which was really helpful, like you said. Um, but also too, I know that there's a couple peer mentoring groups that have tried to start up or haven't been super successful and honestly i think a big part of that is because you know a lot of people can't fit that in their schedule if they're not kind of being compensated for um for that in any way and like the mentorship program might require like 10 hours of work a week but you don't get paid for it at all and that's difficult to fit in when there's not that much of a reward if you're a mentor. And I think that that also kind of discourages like community because there's a lot of work that's put in, but as a student, you have to prioritize your time to what gives you the most benefit personally. And I think that's something else that is a problem. Um, and I don't know, I feel like with COVID, sometimes like the first generation low-income student voices were being kind of asked questions, asked to speak about their experiences, but I really don't feel like those voices have been heard. Um, mm. Yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. And with, with all of that being said, how do you guys feel about universities and you know outside organizations only supporting FGLI students for marketing purposes still in 2022? I'm kind of, irritated with it. I'm a junior now um, and as a first year I kind of was made all of these promises um, and the same kind of of problems, the same kind of complaints, the same kind of barriers that I was told the university was trying to address as um, a freshman. They're still going on um, and our, all of our demands, all of the things that we've been communicating with the university, um, things like increasing communication of resources, things like having summer funding available for internships and um, having stipends and grants available for travel, having like first generation low income students um, focused positions, like all of those were said that they were going to be worked on, all of those were said that they were goals. Um, the university has, has said that in promotional material about how they're inclusive of first generation students and how the first generation community is growing and strong and i just haven't seen any of that i feel like it's marketing on what they are going to do and it's never marketing on what they have done so what you're saying is when unc chapel hill brags about the fact that they're a first gen forward institution that you have no idea how that happened nor do you think it's warranted i also don't know what it means um, I think it's a very nebulous claim to be like, we support first gens. It's a one thing to support first gens in an idea, as in like, we want more first generation students on our campus and we value them. And then it's another thing to actually put those supposed values into action by having marketable and distinct outcomes that benefit 
FGLI students. I completely agree with that. I think part of it is that the university likes to um, overemphasize what they do to support FGLI students and say that they are like an FGLI supported um, university. And um, I think one of the action items that I um, I want is for them to provide more funding for like student-led organizations. Because like I said earlier, like student-led organizations, they're more likely to hear the students, um, uh, they're more likely to hear FGLI student voices and hear what they need and what they want and what they are trying to do with like their majors and stuff. And so like Cameron has mentioned, is like providing more resources um, or funding for summer internships. FGLI, um, FGLI student-led organizations are more likely to know that and hear about those things from the students before the university would. And so if the university were to put more funding into clubs like FGSA and all these other student-led FGLI organizations, it would allow for the students to be, feel that they, that they are better supported and also better heard. I think a good point too is that student-led organizations also have a larger sense of community and also more direct form of communication with first-generation students. Having the chancellor or, I don't know, the, the president of the College of Arts and Science send out a massive email saying we support first-gens and we have increased funding for this to this number, that doesn't mean as much as someone from a club that you are in and meet with every week, every two weeks saying, Here's the application link. Here is the requirements for this opportunity. And we can help support you because this student that's in our organization did this opportunity last year. Like those are two very different things. And <clears throat> it kind of comes down to the resources available for the student-led clubs, the student-led organizations that do have that correct or that connection with the FGLI students are just underfunded and undervalued. Um, I think an important thing that you brought up was community. And I think that is so important because oftentimes I feel like the because university does not create enough of a community between um, FGLI students, we can often feel alone, especially I, I felt that, especially after being um, online my whole entire freshman year and then coming on campus, I felt like I, like I had no one to relate to and no one who understood exactly how I was feeling within like during that process. And I remember that during first gen day, I met so many first gens on campus that I did not know existed. And I think if the university were to put more time into creating a community and to really fund that community to make ensure that they all feel like they belong and they they're understood and that their experiences are not just like they're not like just theirs alone for them to bear. I think that would be really important, too. Yeah, something that um, FGSA has repeatedly has been working on kind of instating in the past couple of years is an orientation panel that one focuses on like first generation college students. Um, so orientation, there is a variety of panels that you can attend for your major, um, but there isn't one specifically for first generation students and their experiences. Um, so I think that having a part of orientation or an additional day of orientation that is for first-generation college students to get actual advice from people who have recently or current students of UNC, that would be very helpful. And also it would provide a way of building community before college even starts. So you don't have to make friends as soon as you get there. You already have a small community of friends that you can ask questions that are other first years, that are other first-generation low-income students that 
you've met, that you've had lunch with, that you've spent a couple days with, like that's very important. And it could be a really good support system for people who are coming into their first year at UNC. Yeah, it's it's interesting because um, this is something that we see at a lot of institutions. Um, do folks at UNC feel like a lot of the support's only for first years, right? So they'll have a real robust, like, here's your first year, congratulations, you made it, here are all these resources, and we're sort of trying to stay in touch with you. And then after that first year, it kind of drops off and there's not much support after that. Does anybody relate to that? I can relate to that because um, during my freshman year, I was part of Lookout Scholars and it was it was an amazing community. I had classes with FGLI students. Um, we met at least once a week and we just talked about what was going on. We had like movie nights. And so like I was able to like relate to other students about what it was like being online and being a first gen and so on. But then I moved onto campus and it felt like that like those resources just kind of like went away. And it wasn't until I found out about FGSA that I was like, oh, okay, there's still like resources there for for, um, for first gens after their freshman year. But I feel like the university, they really focus a lot on freshmen. And I feel like they also focus a lot on seniors because they want to be like, oh yeah, we had so-so a map percentage of like first gens I graduated in our class of 2022 or class of 2023. But like the resources like that in between those two stages, I feel like it's just non-existent. Yeah, I also agree. I was in Lookout Scholars, as I mentioned before, and the community that was available was great. And it was really, really helpful in my first year. And second year, you know, you're kind of like, okay, cool. Now what do I do? It's like they really trust that you've been adjusted well during your first year. And that's just simply not the case for most people. Um, and those resources do dry up very quickly. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation and I really appreciate everyone sharing their experiences, their ideas. And I think it's very important that we highlight and recap some action items that have been discussed. Cameron, what are some of the most important demands that we've discussed that you want listeners to take away from this conversation? I think most importantly, we're asking for more resources to go to our first-gen student organizations. And we want the university to prioritize building first-generation communities and stop performatively overemphasizing the university's support for us. We are also calling for additional support in the form of unpaid internship stipends and first-gen and low-income specific positions. These resources not only need to be available, but they also must need, they also need to be effectively communicated with the students that they're supposed to help. Um, and also we are asking for the university to prioritize and focus on the first generation college students, not just their first year, but throughout their entire college journey. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Cameron, for sharing and for being part of this conversation. I also want to thank all of our guests that participated in this discussion. I want to add one more demand and is that please continue to listen and support FGLI students listen to the students rather than the universities if we truly want to change um, you know the system in addition we have spotlighted one institution during this episode but let's just be real these kinds of issues are not unique to unc so if you're an fgli student help us continue this conversation by telling us about what demands you have um, for your institution as an fgli student 
Thank you so much for tuning in. We are really glad that you decided to join us. Until next time, catch you on the flip side.